head knowledge. I understand what God has done. I know it. I understand that God has forgiven me. I know it. I understand I'm going to heaven, and heaven is for all eternity. I know it. Head knowledge. What we do with our heart, though, is what matters. How are we living our life? How are we living each moment? Are we experiencing the greatness that God has for us? It's not an accident that we have today. It's not an accident that you're here this morning. It's not an accident we have another year. God's blessed us with. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to live it? Are we going to live it for that which is temporal? Are we going to live it for that which is eternal? Are we going to experience great victory because of the power of God in our life? Are we willing to endure a great conflict? Are we going to fall? Are we going to be victorious and get back up? We have a lot on our agenda as we look at this new year, a lot of things that we're looking forward to. And I hope that I want to challenge you this morning to be thinking that way. Last year is last year. You can't bring it back. You can't go back and relive it. We've got the year ahead of us. We have a choice in how we're going to live this year. That's the only thing that we have a choice to do is whether we're going to choose to live this year and let God be glorified in our life, let God have victory in our life, let God do the miraculous in our life, or we're going to choose not to. How many of y'all believe that God wants to do an amazing thing in your life this year? Would you say amen? Amen. amen. Are we going to allow him to do it? What keeps God from doing the amazing, the impossible in our life, in our church, in our home? What stops him from doing it? It's not because God's not able. It's a question of whether we're able to allow God. Will we allow him to do what he wants to do in our life? And I want to challenge you this morning in thinking about and setting some goals for this year. And I know there's a lot of things we talk about this time of year with goals, but I really want to, I want to look in Philippians chapter 3. Let's go here to this prison epistle. If you've been here on Wednesday nights, you know what I'm talking about. The Apostle Paul was in bonds when he wrote this epistle, Philippians chapter 3. I want to look at specifically Philippians chapter 3 this morning. And I want you to notice verse number 13. As soon as you get there, go ahead and stand up if you would. We're reading from Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 13. You love the word of God, say amen. 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 Let's, let's read there. I'll read aloud if you follow along there. Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today. Lord, I pray that we would truly, as the Apostle Paul says here, that Lord, that we would press forward, that we would move forward. Lord, that we would look forward to what you're going to do this year. And Lord, that we would be vessels that would be worthy of your honor to fill, Lord, to use for your glory. Lord, challenge our hearts today. Lord, I pray that we would have a vision. You tell us in your word where there is no vision, the people perish. Lord, I pray that we as an individual, we as a church, we as families within this church, Lord, that we would have a vision Lord, that we'd have our eyes on you, empowered by you. 
Lord, that we would see you do the miraculous in our life. That, Lord, use us for your honor and glory. Lord, that many souls would be saved, lives changed. Lord, speak to our hearts now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Goals for a new year is what I want to talk about today. Very simple subject. It's one that we talked about often. Past tense. I want to talk today about future tense. I want to talk about what we're going to do this day and setting our hearts and our minds, our focus on what we're going to do this year. The, um, David, David said in Psalm 65, 11, he said, Thou crownest the year with thy goodness. Boy, I'm thankful for God's goodness today. I'm thankful for the year that God has given to us. I'm thankful for that grace and mercy that's new every morning, every day that we get up. We've got a brand new year now ahead of us. I praise the Lord for what he is giving us in this new year. And, and it's a great time to not only look forward, but to go forward. To get ready for what God is going to do and preparing for that and moving forward and setting some goals. And I just want to simply share these with you. I know we could set all kinds of different goals and things that we could do. Pastor Parker preached a great message at 10 o'clock about God working in our life and working in our hearts and working in this church. And we could add those to this. This is a continuation, really, of that message. But the first goal that I would challenge you with is this. Number one, find some dissatisfaction. You're like, I have no problem with that. I mean, look at that person. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about looking for dissatisfaction in somebody else or something else. I'm talking about looking at your life. And don't put it on cruise control this year. Don't sit back and say, well, everything's just the way it is. I'm just going to coast. I'm coasting on the upward way, new heights. I'm not gaining every day. Now, that's not what we're supposed to be singing, right? We're not supposed to be coasting. We're supposed to be moving forward. We're supposed to be continuing on. We're supposed to be not throwing in the towel. We're supposed to work for the night is coming. We're supposed to keep on pressing toward that mark. doesn't matter what age you are. By the way, when the Apostle Paul wrote this, he's in jail, and it's not long after this, not too long, that he's going to give his life for the cause of Christ. And it's amazing. You see all the things he says while he's in prison. I'm thankful. Let me just stop and say for a moment, I'm thankful I'm not in prison today. Amen? Aren't you all glad? Some of you, are you glad you're in prison or you're glad you're stuck in church? Which one's better for you? You know what I mean? Come on. I'm glad I'm in church today. I'm glad what David said. I, uh, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm glad I'm here today. I'm glad that you're here this morning. But you know, we need to be careful that we don't just sit back and relax. Things are easy. You've gone through perhaps some battles of the past and now you're kind of slowing down and you're trying to relax and you're just kind of on cruise control. We need to be very careful about that. And, and talking about cruise control and driving, and don't, uh, like the man that was driving, actually, uh, like the man that said, I want to die just like my grandpa did, in my sleep. That'd be nice, right? He says, I want to die in my sleep, not like the people that were in the car screaming when he died. You might get that later. Some of you that sleep while you're driving, that's not a good thing. You know what I'm talking about? This guy, you know, you want to you die doing something. I don't, I don't want to die. Listen, I don't want to live my life being asleep at the wheel, and I want to be in, involved in serving God. Listen, for a church to go backward, it doesn't require people to go backward. Do you realize that? All it requires is for people just to stand still, to do nothing. You want a church to go backwards? You want the church to not uh, continue to grow? Just don't do anything. If everybody just stopped doing the work of God and just put it in cruise control, we would have a dead church. 
Have you found a comfort zone in your spiritual life? Have you gotten to the place where you're comfortable? Listen, we're not talking about uh, contentment here either. I'm not talking about as far as uh, cruise control. We're not confusing that with contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's a wonderful thing. I'm talking about not getting to the place where you have said, it's okay, I'm going to let it go. I don't care about producing anything more. I'm just on cruise control. And and this is in so many areas of our life. When it comes to to, to serving God, you know what it even comes to when you're sitting in a church service? Did you come here today to get spiritually fed? Did you come through just to punch the time clock? Well, the preacher, see, you guys even said amen to none of that, but Pastor Parker, I know he came for the right reason. And I say that because it's easy to sit in a service just like the 10 o'clock hour and sit there and let it go in one ear and out the other, just like New Year's resolutions, right? They go in one year and out the other. You sit through a sermon and you sit there and it's like you just punch the time clock. You're not even listening to what's going on. You're waiting to that 12 o'clock moment. It's been 11.54 lately, and some of you know that because you check every time I'm done. But 11.54 lately, when I'm through with the sermon, by 12 o'clock on the dot, we're through with service. The altar's still empty. And you go away exactly the same way you came in. By the way, have you ever been to the altar? Have you ever been to this altar? Has this church ever touched your heart where God spoke to your heart through the preaching of God's word that you even came to the altar? Cruise control. Went through one service and out the other. Everything's the same. You want to be a dead church? That's how it happens. People hear the word of God. You preach the word of God and nothing changes. Something's wrong. And that might be offensive to what I'm saying right now, but I'm not saying it in a way that I'm trying to attack anybody. I'm just saying something's wrong. When a church goes week after week after week and God doesn't speak to your heart, something's wrong when you have altars that are empty week after week. Something's wrong when there's not people coming down the aisle and souls being saved and lives being changed. Something's wrong. I'm dissatisfied happy with the way it is and I'm not saying it because I'm angry at anybody here I just don't want the devil to have victory here I don't want this church dying I want people to have a fervency within their hearts say God what do you have for me today hey I'm glad I'm in church because God's going to speak to my heart and preparing all week I've been praying all week I've been in God's word all week and when I come into the hear the word of God preach God pricks my heart the Holy Spirit of God moves my heart and you know what it causes me to want to make a decision You can't come in contact with the Holy Spirit of God and not be caused to either make a decision to say, yes, Lord, or no, I'm not going to do it. There's an old song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Now, that's a good way of saying it. That means you're not going to be moved and go to the world. A lot of Christians today, though, they're singing that during the invitation. They're singing that during the message. They're singing that all through the service. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. We need to get on our face before God and pray that God would send revival and have it start within our own hearts. Something's missing. If we can go week in and week out and never share the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we can go week in and week out and listen month and year and century out and never be at the altar, something's wrong. Hey, if you don't agree that we should have an altar call, then why do we have one? I can tell you why we have one, because I have a conviction in my heart we're going to have one. But there's a lot of folks that come to this church that would say, I go to a church that has an altar call. Do you ever use it? Do you ever go to the altar? Yeah, it's a challenging message. 
We sing songs like, is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? And yes, we have a family altar, but we have a corporate altar, altar too. And it's not just for yourself. When God speaks to your heart, it's a wonderful thing. When people would respond and come to an altar, because you know what? That makes it encouraging for other people to come. Even lost people to come to an altar. There's a lot of churches that don't even have an altar call. And some of you would say, I wouldn't even go to that church. Well, you go to a church that has one. Do you go to the altar? You see the challenge? Am I preaching a wrong message? Is it wrong? Is it wrong? Do we agree? Let's get upset with something that's wrong and move to something that's right. Find dissatisfaction in something. You know, in what's happening here inside a church service, it's reflective of what's happening at your home altar. It's reflecting what's happening in your Bible time, in your worship time. We talk about 11 o'clock being a worship service, and you've heard me say this many times. This cannot be a worship service if you're not worshiping God with your life. Now, I'm still going to have a worship service because we are corporately coming together, and there's a lot of people that want to worship God corporately. But if you're not worshiping Him during the week, how do you expect God to even be part of that worship on 11 o'clock Sunday morning? If you're not surrendered to Him through the week as you're reading the Word of God, as you're praying as you should, it's no wonder you don't go to the altar ever. God's trying to knock into your heart. It's so hard, you can't. Something's wrong. Something's missing. Might be that God wants you to look at your life and say, where can I serve? Maybe you used to serve, but you stopped. Maybe God's been speaking to your heart about serving. In 2023, God will want some to, to teach. God will want some to uh, not just sit in a class another year and put it on cruise control, but to get involved in serving, perhaps in the bus ministry, perhaps in the children's ministry, perhaps in the nursery, outreach, witness, attendance, being faithful to church. Yet oftentimes what happens, we get self-satisfied. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? You know, oftentimes one of the big problems is we compare ourselves to other people. Well, nobody else went for it. I'm not going. And you talked about this in the 11, the 10 o'clock hour. Well, nobody else, you know what? I'm worried about what other people are going to think. Listen, you know who we ought to be comparing ourselves to? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The measuring stick for what we're doing ought to be measuring ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Getting our feet, our eyes off of other people, keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing what God would have us to do. Comparing yourself with others is not wise. You see, if we're not careful, we can allow ourselves to get to the place of absolute complacency. Complete complacency. Sometimes being beat down with the woes of life. Sometimes with the failures of yesterday. Sometimes it's because you tried before and you failed and you get complacent of not trying again, not doing anything. You're wounded. There was a pastor that pounded the pulpit and he said, complacency and ignorance, that's our problem. Complacency and ignorance. You, sir, on the front row, what's the difference between complacency and ignorance? The man on the front row, you know what he said? I don't know and I don't care. Complacency and ignorance. Do you know? Do you care? Do we? Have we grown complacent? 
do we know that there's sinners that are dying and on their way to hell? Do we care? Do we know? Hey, when the, the word of God is opened and the word of God is being preached from the pulpit here at Lighthouse Baptist Church that God is wanting to speak to our hearts, do we know? Do we care? What are we going to do with it? Does God speak to your heart? Complacency. Yeah, find some dissatisfaction. Now, don't let that stop right there, though. We, I mean, I can stop if you want to. We can go on with a list of I'm dissatisfied with this. Some of you could, you all could make a whole list of things that you don't like. Probably don't like the color of my tie. I mean, right, Carolyn? She's like, uh huh, yeah, she gets after me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about looking at things that shouldn't be in our life as a Christian and being displeased with it. And say, you know what, it ought not be that way and it shouldn't stay the same. There ought to be some changes that we do. And you know what, if you don't know what it is, we ought to be begging God to show us what it is. If God doesn't show you what it is, ask God some more. Because I can guarantee you, there are things in every one of our lives that we ought to be displeased with. That being said, let's move on to the positive. That's the negative. We have to look at the negative in order to understand what God wants to do. We have to identify it. We need to do that. So look for some dissatisfaction. That's a good goal. Let's start it out. And that when you're looking at trying to set goals in your life, it, that you have to start with what the need is. You can't find the need without being dissatisfied with something. Number two, find some devotion. Find some devotion. Uh, look at what Paul said here in verse number 13 again. He says, but this one thing I do. One of the most important phrases. This one thing I do. To the self-righteous, rich, young ruler, Jesus said this, One thing thou lackest. One thing. To the busy Martha, working in the kitchen, criticizing her sister Mary. You remember what Jesus said. He said, one thing is needful. Getting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, he healed the blind man, and the man said, One thing I know, I once was blind, but now I what? See. He knew something. He, had a, he knew something. God had touched him. God had worked in his life. And David said this in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord. His desire was to be in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. One thing I desire. What is that desire that you have? What is that thing that you have? What is that thing that you are devoted to? Paul, he said, This one thing I do. His, his whole life was focused down to a point of what his whole life was living for, what his direction was for, what he was doing in his life. And listen, that was a statement of devotion. For Paul, his Christianity was not a sideline. For, for him, it wasn't a complementary thing to his life. You know, it's interesting... I've used this illustration before, but I think it's so applicable. Our life is like a wheel. We've got all kinds of different spokes that come off from our, 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 the hub of our life and different compartmentalizations of our life. We have over here, you might have school if you're a young person, a spoke there, and then there's a spoke that comes off here that might be your family life. There's a spoke that comes off over here that might be your home life, your family. A spoke over here that has your hobbies, and there's a spoke over here that m maybe has church. And all these different compartmentalized parts of our life. And the sad truth is that your church life doesn't show up at work on the, or on the basketball court or in the game or in the other areas. It's compartmentalized. 
to view your family life at home, you'd never dream that you had the church life at all. It's compartmentalized. It's different. You, got, you don't have your church clothes on. You haven't gone to church. It's different now because you're at home. People were to see you at work. They wouldn't even know that you're a Christian sometimes. Listen, Jesus doesn't want to be a spoke at all in your life, a part of your life. A sp- he wants to be the hub of your life. He wants to be at the very center of everything that we do. What are you focusing on this year? What is your reason for living this year? What is at the very center focus and purpose of your life? Or put it another way, what is your devotion for? Is it toward the temporary things of this life? What does everything revolve around in your life? You know, growing up, there was never a question about what our life revolved around. That doesn't mean we didn't have struggles. It doesn't mean that mom and dad were always perfect. But I can tell you this. It was never a question whether God was at the very center of what revolved in our home. It was never a question that God, that church was at the center. Of course, when you put church and you put God, it's in the same hub. You got it right here. There was never a question that everything in life was going to revolve around that which was most important. Now, mom and dad weren't perfect. And the kids aren't either. That's not always going to be true. But that's a challenge. And that's something I saw in a prevalent way. What is at the center of your life? Christianity shouldn't be a compartment of your life. It should be our life. Being Christ-like should be exactly what's at the center of our hearts. When we have the Holy Spirit of God within us and Christ in us, That ought to be our main thing in life. It's not just something you do on Sunday at 11 o'clock. The sad part is there's many people today, and if we're not careful, every one of us can be guilty of this. We have commitments, all kinds of commitments and all kinds of things that we're busy doing. And the sad truth is they're not of eternal value and they don't, they don't come from what ought to be the center of our life. And we need to trade some commitments of this world for commitments to our Lord. We're too busy these days. I mean, a lot of people, they've got it right down to a schedule. It's McDonald's on Monday. It's T-ball on Tuesday. Workout on Wednesday. uh, Therapeutic Thursday. Fishing Friday. Yard sailing on Saturday. It's no wonder we're sleeping on Sunday. We need to learn to say no to some things. Be less devoted to those things which are not going to matter 100 years from now. I love the illustration, looking at the field and talking about the century of being, you know, and talking about the time frame that we're in. Our life is so short. And yet we spend most of it doing what? Things that are temporal, things that won't make any difference when it comes to eternity. We need to learn to set priorities in our life. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. That's the only thing. There's people that got more worked up about that game last night than they do about people dying and going to hell. Now, listen, I understand watching football. I'm not saying that's wrong. But people get more emotional about that. More emotional about that than they do about the fact that why we're even here. We ought not have the wrong priority when it comes to that. We only have one life, and it's going to be passed soon. Look around you right now, people that aren't here today that were here 365 days ago. And for some of you, it's been a tough year. We've lost some people, loved ones, friends. Praise God, 
They're in heaven, the ones that I know. They're in heaven right now. Praise the Lord for that. What's my point? My point is we have a very limited time. God's given us another year. I might not be here next year. Listen, I might not be here tomorrow. No guarantee of that. But I have today. God's given us this day, and I have the, the hope and the, the goal of wanting to give God the glory and the devotion of my life this year. Time is short. I like this poem. When I was a child, I laughed and wept, and time crept. When I was a youth, I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still, I daily grew, time flew. Soon I shall be traveling on, time gone. It's so true. And I'm not trying to be morbid about this. I'm trying to be real about it. I'm trying to get us to stop. Okay, we need to stop and look at what God has given us. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God has given me a day. What's the purpose of the day? That God will be glorified in their life. What's the purpose of man? Yeah, in doing so, then, we do whatever else God has commanded us, the Great Commission. But it all starts up with giving the glory to God. By the way, that's called life worship. That's what giving glory to God is. It's worshiping Him with our life. That is the purpose of man. God's given us a day. God wants us to look at the new year. God wants us to, to look and to be devoted. How are we living your life? There's a lot of people that are Christians that are living their life as an amateur Christian. What's the difference between an amateur and a pro? Well, amateur does things from time to time and spurts. Professionals devote full time. It's their life's work. And the thing is, we'll never be effective for the Lord by attending church in spurts. We'll never be effective in the Lord by, by I mean, listen, on Sunday morning, Christians, that's the only time that you're ever in the Word of God, Sunday morning only, the only time you're ever in church, you're never going to grow spiritually the way God wants you to grow. Praying in spurts, Bible reading in spurts, never moving forward and growing as a child of God. We need to become a church of devotion. We need to have a church filled with members that are devoted and having a professional mindset that we're a child of God. You know what? That's 24-7. I'm a Christian. It's a full-time job. Paul said, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. What are you doing with your time? Thirdly, another goal. Find some direction. Find some direction. Look at verse number 14. Notice what he says there again. He says, forgetting those things which are, what's the next word? Do you see it? Behind. Forgetting those things which are, what's the next word? Behind. You say, but you got dissatisfied. You're talking about the things of the past. Okay, so get it right, move on. Forgetting those things which are behind. I read about this track prodigy. The guy was a runner. He was amazing. It was said that he was, gonna, he was in store in high school. He was going to get all kinds of scholarships, end up possibly at the Olympics one day. He had broken all the records in his freshman and, and, and sophomore and junior and senior year. He got to the very final race when all the people that were there looking at him for the scholarships and everything. And as he was running that final race, he was 20 yards ahead, it said, of the guy that was closest to him, behind him. 
And as he was running right close to the finish line, he looked back and saw he had a 20-yard gain on him. And in doing so, he tripped just before the finish line, fell down, and lost that race. Looking back. Looking back. January is an interesting name of a month. Today is January the 1st. January got its name from Caesar. He named the month of January after the Roman god Janus. What's interesting about Janus is she's a two-faced individual. Two-faced god. One face looking back, one face looking forward. You know, in 2023, there's no looking back. The past is past. Jesus said this, let no man putting his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No looking back. No looking back at past bitterness. I'll not be looking back at what happened and how people hurt me and how this happened and, and, and not forgiving as we should. I'll tell you, if there was anybody in the Bible that, that, that had a right not to forgive, if you would say man speaking, it would be Joseph, betrayed by his own brothers. He could have had a reason in his heart to say, I have no, no, I, I can't forgive them. But he realized something, you see, he realized that forgiveness is a choice. Hey, listen, don't say you can't forgive that person sitting across the room from you right now. Be honest and say you won't forgive them. It's a choice. And remember, that bitterness that you're holding on to, it never hurts the one you're bitter against. It always hurts the one that's the creator of that bitterness. Don't look back. Don't look back at what people have done. Forgive. No looking back at past sin either. Talked about realizing what we need to change. And yes, there ought to be changes in our life. There ought to be things that we're aiming for. There ought to be things that we're dissatisfied with that we want to see better. But I can tell you this, don't sit there and allow that to keep you from moving forward. Ask God for forgiveness and God will forgive you. Remember the day you got saved? Did God forgive you? Let me ask it again. You remember the day you got saved? Did God forgive you? Then why are you worried about the sin then before you got saved? You know why you are? Because that old devil, the, the accuser of the brethren, he keeps bringing it up and he wants to get you to be defeated. Forget about the past. God already has. If you've asked for forgiveness, God's already removed it as far as east is from west. God forgives it. God forgets it. So should we. I've known many a Christian that were like stuck, like their feet were stuck in the cement. They weren't moving forward because they were so worried about the sin they had done in the past. The question was asked, did you ask Christ to forgive you? Yes, I did, but I just can't forgive myself. That's the problem. It's not because God hasn't forgiven us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, don't look back at past sin. If you have to look back and you see that there's sin that's unconfessed, then confess it and then move forward with the power of God, knowing that he's cleansed you. You've been forgiven. Thank God. I love what John R. Ray said. He says, no matter what you did in the past, your future is spotless when you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Spotless. No looking back at also past failures. Past failures. All those uh, resolutions that you had in the past. You know, just because you did not keep every resolution doesn't mean you should not set goals for yourself this year. Just because you had some failures in the past should not mean you stop trying. 
A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, the Bible says. You know, if you have, if you have failed, you are in good company. How many of y'all have ever failed? Raise your hand up. Let's see all the honest ones here today. If you've ever failed, raise your hand up. Amen. We've all done it, right? We're in good company. There's not a person here that hasn't failed. Some of the greatest men in the past or women, you, you can look at all kinds of stories, but I think of a couple of them. Remember, but Babe Ruth. Does anybody know that his famous record that he had, what was it? What was Babe Ruth's record? He had it for years. He was a slugger. Do you remember? Home run record. He had the record of home runs. Do you know what else record he had? Strikeouts. Yeah, he was a man that had a great record of, of success, but he had, he had to swing the bat and fail in order to hit that home run. You understand? How about Winston Churchill? He said this, success is the ability to move from one failure to the next. You failed some last year, move on. That failure was a result of personal sin, ask God for forgiveness and move on. That failure was a result because you tried something and you didn't succeed, get back up and keep on moving. How about Abraham Lincoln? This is a, this, his life is an amazing story of his life. Abraham Lincoln, man, uh, what was his famous name that everybody called him? Honest Abe or something. He was so successful. What was he? What do you remember him as, a success or a failure? I remember him as a success. But do you realize that in 1831, he failed in business? He went bankrupt. Now, don't raise your hand. Did he ever go bankrupt? He did. 1833, back on his feet, he failed again. 1835, his fiance died. Talk about grieving. In 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. 1838, he ran for Speaker of the House. Guess what? He didn't win. 1843, ran for Congress. He was defeated. 1848, ran for Congress again. He was defeated. 1855, he ran for Senate this time. He was defeated. 1856, he ran as, as Vice President. They were defeated. 1858, ran for Senate again. Can you all guess what happened? You catching on yet? He was defeated, all right, making sure you're with me. 1860s, anybody know what happened in 1860? Any history buffs here? 1860, what, what happened to Abraham Lincoln? 1860, yeah. That's exactly right, buddy. He was elected as president of the United States of America. And I'm so glad he was. I'm so glad he was. I'm so glad that he ran and was the very first Republican president. You say he was being partial, no. The Republican Party was the one that ran on the, to, to stop slavery. Go back and look at your history. The history of the Republican Party was for the purpose of stopping slavery. And he ran and won. And we look back at it now and we see he's one of the greatest presidents that ever lived. One of the greatest men that ever lived. We all look to him for inspiration of character. The man wasn't perfect, no doubt about that. But I don't ever think about his failures. I think about the victories, and the, yeah, he went through difficult times, but listen, here is a man that went through, but he got, kept getting back up every time he failed. He got back up. He moved from one failure to the next, to the next, without quitting. Success is getting up just one more time than you fall down. Don't look back. Don't look back at past sins. Don't look back at past failures. Look forward. See what God has for you. 
Some of God wants to work in your life. Yeah, maybe look for some dissatisfaction. Maybe there's some things that God is speaking to your heart about today. Maybe you need to look back and say, you know what? I didn't read my Bible. I know I should have read my Bible more. I should have prayed more. I should have been in church more. I sh- you know what? I should respond when God speaks to my heart. I want a tender heart. Find some devotion. What are you devoted for? What are you devoted to? What do you live for? How is your life counting for that which is eternal? Find some direction. Ask God what God wants you to do. And if you try and and, and you fail, get back up. No looking back. Don't look back at the bitterness. Don't look back at the sin. Don't look back at the failures. Look forward. Let God work in your life. Devote yourself to him. Say, Lord, you're giving me this year. I want to give it to you. God, I want you to be glorified in my life. God, I want you to give me the strength I need to accomplish what only you can do in my life. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we close. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to know you, to know your grace. And yes, it's sufficient. To know your love, it's everlasting. Your mercies, new every morning. You're so faithful to us. And Lord, you've given us life We're living souls created for your pleasure, for your glory. Lord, I pray that we would be devoted to you. We desire for you to do in our life, Lord, what what you want to do, that you'd be glorified, that souls would be saved, that lives be changed. We'd be that father that you want us to be, the mother, husband, wife young person. Lord, that we be a church that is not just playing church, but Lord, that we be devoted, sold out to you, growing spiritually, seeing people's lives changed, people saved, people being born again, because we lift you up. We lift up your name and we draw men unto you. We lift you up by name, by our life, and what people see in us. Christ in us. Lord, challenge our hearts. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, let me ask you this morning, have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? Has there been a time and a place you could look back to? You know you're born again. You know you're on your way to heaven. You have no doubt. You've been gloriously saved that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high? Say, yes, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless you if you put your hands down. Perhaps you're here this morning, you don't have that peace. What if you died this day, where would you spend eternity? You have doubt, you have fear. Could I pray for you? You're here this morning, you say, preacher, I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Could I pray for you? Would you lift your hand up? Anybody like that today? You say, I don't have that peace. Christian, are you satisfied? Are you satisfied?
Everything's fine. Has God spoken to your heart? 